Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion with Dr. Wade Mobley, who is the president of the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. I'm gonna, can I ask a polarizing question or a little bit, maybe a controversial I thought, question? I thought we'd already done that. No, we're going to get further. We're, 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 we're just going to get started. Yeah. So Church so, of the Lutheran Confession. No, how, much do you, yeah, yeah. how much do you feel that you're, you're trying to um, fill in the gaps of what a lot of households are failing to do hmm. as a lot of men aren't really being the spiritual leaders of their home and teaching and training their kids for these basic things? How much do you feel like you're actually kind of like handicapped that you could do so much more, but because of the state of the American Christian home, how much is that going on? Yeah, it's multiple levels too. And that we mm-hmm. have a, I, I don't know what people think of who goes to our school. I, I wonder sometimes if the stereotype mm-hmm. is they're all, uh, you know, homeschooled, which means perfect or whatever. And that, <laughs> first of all, homeschool kids aren't perfect, but they also can walk and chew gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I learned that when I came to Bible college and I, I always thought homeschool kids were, you know, you know, homeschool kids. And, uh, <laughs> and they got to Bible college and realized, oh, these, you know, the homeschool kids, they were uh, like normal. Yeah. And <laughs> for the most except, part. For the most part. Yeah. Except for that one guy. <laughs> no, 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 I made that up. But um, so it's not just the, the, the homes, although that's certainly the case. You know, I, I grew up largely without a dad. And uh, for me, uh, I think maybe as mo- almost as much as the exegetical theology was the uh, community. Mm-hmm. And uh, observing yeah. healthy relationships in other people, um, so yeah, I spent probably half of my weekends to get with a guy named uh, Bobby Rudebush down in uh, Lakeville, Minnesota, and just watching him be a husband and father mm-hmm. v- vocationally. And uh, vocation, yeah, here we go. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's more than that. It's not just what's missing in our families and our churches. It's also what's missing in our educational systems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. you got there's a hundred ways to homeschool your mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. Some Christians, some not. Uh, there's just a hundred different ways to do it. Uh, the public school experience is so different mm-hmm. everywhere. And private schools, it, what, is, it a, is it a Christian school where God and his word is infused in every subject? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or is it a, essentially a public graded school mm-hmm. with a chapel service slapped on top of it? What is it? And so we have all these different educational backgrounds. Some of them are ready to go, mm-hmm. but... We have to address it. And, and this is the beauty of, this is going to sound like the sales pitch now, but the beauty <laughs> of, of our program is it's not just uh, classroom academic. We've designed the d- residential life, the discipleship mm-hmm. learning community aspect of our program as a complement. So you learn it in the morning, you go off uh, in the afternoon, you work, do whatever you're going to do, mm-hmm. and come back at night, and you're in a, a dorm with a whole bunch of other sinners who are doing the same thing mm-hmm. with trained staff who are helping in discipleship, uh, helping people work through all of these little conflicts, and, and you learn and you grow. So we have to handle it from a family issue, uh, even mental health issue, mm-hmm. spiritual life issue, educational issue. Uh, I, honestly, though, guys, the biggest frustration that I have when working with implementation of a program mm-hmm. is we, we don't, I don't know who we is. I, <laughs> I, I gotta be careful how I say this. Cause I don't want to. The Royal we. Yeah. The Royal we. <laughs> um, if college students can't write, <laughs> a lot of them can't read. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a study a while back 
four four areas in our program is just exegetical or exegetical and application. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have we don't really have anything that qualifies for gen ed by intent, but we are teaching them how to write a paper right now because I got to read those papers mm-hmm. you know, by the mm-hmm. score, and it's just some, it's just painful. Some of them are really good at, but um, st- state of uh, Oklahoma, a friend of mine is a is a college uh, administrator down there. In the state of Oklahoma, and this isn't a joke about Oklahoma, the stats are, are nationwide, yeah. 77% of college students need at least one remedial class. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 77%. Okay, so our educational system, you teach them to read and you teach them to get a job. And our land is full of a whole mm-hmm. bunch of people who cannot read. They're functionally illiterate in that they cannot process ideas that they do not already have. Mm-hmm. And they are unwilling or unable to work. Mm-hmm. And that's our society right now. And if you think the Christian church is immune from that, um, that, that has infiltrated us as well. You know, thinking hurts. Education is painful. It takes actual energy to learn things. And sometimes we're playing from behind the, the eight ball, but that's our, that's our life. I was on the board of a uh, Christian college, uh, Christian liberal arts school before I came here. And uh, the joke there was uh, our students need to know in order to graduate what they used to need to know mm-hmm. in order to get into Princeton. <laughs> but things have changed. Mm-hmm. And so how do, you, how, do you, uh, how do you address this in a remedial way? And remedial means remedy. It, it's, not a, it's not a slur. You know, yeah, not, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. with that in mind and, and stepping out of the ring of the educational preparation for it and looking out on the scope of culture, the, the question is, what does the Christian at that point do? You've got, in Christianity today, not in Lutheran circles, but in Christianity today, we've got a handful of culture vultures, uh, guys like John Stone Street and Albert Moeller, who respond to literally everything that happens. If, it, if it's worth talking about, Albert Moeller's talking about it on his daily podcast, and yeah. John Stone Street's got his pulse, and, and there's a couple other good sources. On the other half of things, you've got, uh, you know, the, the Greek Orthodox Rod Dreher, who's advocating for complete withdrawal mm-hmm. of society to an extent, a qualified extent, mm-hmm. Benedict Yeah, he, he would yeah. qualify that you know, yeah. heavily, but yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, the but he does action. use the word retreat. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, 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 a, it's a controlled engagement with society in small doses is yep. what the Benedict option. And, and somewhere in the middle, you've got guys like Anthony Esselin who have written books on the topic and things like that. So you're a Christian and, and you've been trained by FLBC or other colleges, or you're a pastor like I am now. Uh, my church is two miles away from the rioting. Um, I've driven through the intersection that uh, um, George, what's his Floyd. Floyd, thank you. I'm terrible. George Floyd was arrested and killed at. I've driven through that intersection dozens of times in regular ministry for my congregation. I've shopped at the buildings that have now burned down because of the rioting. Yeah. And in this is the Lutheran question is mm-hmm. when and how much do I interact with the culture? Mm-hmm. When do I just cling to my Christian faith and say preach the gospel mm-hmm. and and do my business, you know? Is, uh, Lutherans have a tendency to to be the the quiet, uh, you know, hold within. Uh, yeah, and not, it's 
There's a lot in Lutheran. It just, there's this, I don't know if it's an attitude of it doesn't impact me or we shouldn't Quietism have anything to say. Yeah, it's, but you know, you, you know, we, we've set up this whole thing is you are on the front lines of preparing people to confront this problem. So the question is now, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do with it? And there's a, there's a reason that Lutherans have um, a complex relationship with culture. And, and part of that is our, our theology of the two kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, improperly portrayed as separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, when you get Jennifer Gumbel on here and talk about <laughs> her uh, German heritage and, and history, you know, the, we, 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 uh, you hear that the church in Germany and in, in Nazi Germany was complicit. Well, almost everybody, I said pretty near once already, so yeah. almost everybody was, com- <laughs> was complicit in a way, in way more than people realize. But what you don't hear about is the confessing church in Germany that said, wait a second. And I'm not saying just confessional Lutheran. Mm-hmm. They were called the confessing church because they were people who held a confession. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the, the Barman Declaration is the historical mm-hmm. document that you can read about. Uh, they were more reformed than they were Lutheran. But what did they hold to? And it was strong enough that it turned Bonhoeffer from a, a pacifist to mm-hmm. Valkyrie. So, um there comes a point, and that too is within Lutheran theology. And you, you guys probably know this better than I do. Um, but uh, Luther's concept of the Superman, you know, the Ubermensch, mm-hmm. that there comes a point where you have to rise up. And, uh, and, and be, another beauty of Luther is that we don't hold to everything that he wrote. <laughs> but, but, thank but, you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Especially that thing about the, you know, the thing and the other yeah, thing. Yeah, that, right. Yeah, and a few so, books in the Bible. Yeah. That one. Yeah. So, no, but, um, <laughs> but we don't have to. That's not, that's not our creed. It's, and so, so he, he, essentially he was, uh, his, his point on the Ubermensch was if you're, if you think you're that guy, uh, then, uh, you know, You'll know it. Well, I'm sure, bon- <laughs> and I'm sure Bonhoeffer yeah. totally wrestled with that idea. And it's a vocational exercise. Yeah. It is. And it, at what point is it, it, it? At what point is it appropriate to kill Hitler? And yeah. I think from this perspective, we would say um, pretty much any time. <laughs> <would be> <laughs> Hindsight works really well yeah, in that question. It would be, it'd be great, but at the moment, it's you know where because you don't want to. As a Christian, you mm-hmm. you don't want to kill Hitler until the hindsight says, "Oh yeah." Hitler was a really, really bad dude. Uh, so it's hard to know. And there comes a time where you vocationally take this step. That's mm-hmm. a little bit like the call. Uh, if you've uh, read, I don't know if you're uh, familiar at all with Chemnitz's Enchiridion. Um, <laughs> I've read the Enchiridion. It's yeah. good. It's good I've stuff. given many away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. But but the uh, the his uh, Chemnitz's summary on the the call, the immediate call versus the immediate yeah, call. Yeah, exactly. His summary is it's essentially oh there is an immediate call and you don't you don't have it. <laughs> so, so it comes through. Your call to be a, a pastor comes through people. You don't have the immediate call. Um, so. It's it's hard to know, there, but there are times when you are in that situation, uh, and that is in in Lutheran theology. If we use two kingdoms to hide, mm-hmm. that's bad. Mm-hmm. But we must keep them separate, mm-hmm. or the First Amendment becomes the fourth article of the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at my other question. And, and if you can't get to, the, and if you don't have that settled in the First Amendment, then look out because yeah. there's also a Second Amendment, mm-hmm. and that gets really interesting. So, um, the uh, the job of a Christian 
is to enjoy the confession of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Amen. To Amen. believe it, yeah. teach it, confess it, whether we're going to lose our life for it or even be in a situation where we are called to take the life of another, which is controversial as well. Luther addressed that. Uh, can soldiers now too be saved? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that we are first and foremost forgiven people, no matter what comes next. Mm-hmm. And that is a, that's not unique to Lutheran theology, but it's emphasized in Lutheran theology mm-hmm. in a way that it's not in, in other areas because Luther's okay with that tension. I, I, I like yeah, that a lot. Right. Yep. So your call then, your exercise, and, and this, this seems like the, the Jason Goodham uh, softball, but <laughs> our exercise of that confession in a society is our vocation. And mm-hmm. we exercise that vocation in ways that God is calling us in the spheres or the estates yeah. of, mm-hmm. of the church and the, the family. And you guys talk about this a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so the church and the family yep. and the state. Three, three estates. Three estates. Three estates. Yeah. Three estates. That's right. And, that's, and um, Oswald Bayer, I don't know if you've talked about Bayer much. Uh, Not much. I'm familiar okay, with him. Mark Mattis is a recent, who um, you should also get on here, a good interpreter, modern interpreter of Oswald Bayer, excellent uh, mm-hmm. German theologian on the three estates. And between him, between Bayer and Wieth, now I, I don't know what else you want on vocation. So good, maybe. But. I I, do, I just want to clarify one thing that that two minute stretch was the most times the words Jason Goodham and exercise have ever been used <laughs> in a long time. But. Oh, that's great. That's great. No, so, so, but but how do you do? Well, you you raise your kids. Yeah. Your husband to your wife. Yeah, well, um, yep. you serve in the congregation as a pastor mm-hmm. or a layperson. Mm-hmm. You you work in society, whatever your work is. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a relationship with the state. In the United States, we get to vote, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is, this is a hard one for me. Okay. Who wants to be president of the United States or the mayor of Minneapolis right now? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, not me. Yep. Okay, but you, that's, that's a legitimate but vocation. But somebody does. Somebody mm-hmm. has yeah, to. And, and somebody yep. does. And somebody does want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And generally the people who want to in this, in this the environment are the people who, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like you know, who wants to be president of the school? And if the guy's going like, yeah, me, I'll take that. You really don't want that guy. You mm-hmm. kind of, oh, anyway. And, mm-hmm. and this is the thing with that, since you did lob that softball at me, that the church mm-hmm. seems to fail to realize always is we're trying to gear our programs to generating specific outcomes in our vocations without the understanding that all of the vocations are different. Where what we say always, half the Christian life is assurance of salvation, the other half is vocation. Mm -hmm. The church takes care of the assurance of salvation end so that living a life of Christian liberty, the various and sundry questions we have on a day-to-day basis of what our vocations look like with the neighbors we're coming in contact with are answered in that Christian liberty, based on our assurance of salvation, based on our understanding of God's word and how the law applies to us and gives us those boundaries. Mm-hmm. It's so many people are trying to create and implement a program that can't exist because vocations are different for every single person. And even uh, there are three pastors, active pastors of congregations right now in this room, and all three of us, our vocations look completely different in that mm-hmm. identical role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in a way too, then this is, this is a tough one for me. Uh, uh, our accrediting body is largely, it's, it's all Christian schools. Almost, I don't know, 70, 80% of the administrators that I've met, they're all, they're ex, they're pastors. Mm. So mm-hmm. our, um, our tendency is to run the college like it's 
a mm-hmm. church. That's a mistake. That you know, because the whole the Free Lutheran Bible College is mm-hmm. not a congregation. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, in order to get there, we have to teach a whole bunch of stuff that we don't believe about the, the nature of the congregation. So your your background colors the way you look at, at all of these things. And as a pastor, you've got the gospel to, to try to, to guide people through, and using the term gospel broadly, the law and the gospel of God mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. To, to navigate people through. And, and the, uh, the idea that what I just said will lead pastors to um, operate in a theoretical world and not apply anything uh, or to live high on the ladder of abstraction, if you will. So mm-hmm. your, your teaching is of no earthly good. Uh, that's unnecessary. Of course that can happen. Mm-hmm. But you can also abstract by turning the pulpit into three steps to better whatever. Yeah, that, you know, that completely removes the gospel. Three steps to better whatever. It's like, I don't know how you get gospel out of that, this law. So how do we apply the gospel? That's a fair question that God, the Holy Spirit applies to our life, the preaching of the inspired text. He does that, uh, but he doesn't do it immediately. He does it through us. And so we can, we can help people. We can, we can make applications. How does this, what does this verse say about the way we relate to our governing officials? What does this verse mm-hmm. say about this time in Corona crisis or whatever? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to make it three steps about coronavirus, mm-hmm. but God's word is speaking to people in a real tangible place. And if we make it, if, if, if we teach it like it's uh, yeah, a, uh, axioms to be looked at in a vacuum, mm-hmm. then, then we're doing that wrong. I, so I think that's a bit of a cheap criticism. I, I think what we need to preach and teach and confess is law and gospel, scripture, mm-hmm. God's word, applications mm-hmm. from it. And certainly there's things we teach that are not scripture that help us think through things around scripture. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I hope that our pastors are doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. How thinking of too specifically about the gender identity issues and um, LGBTQ plus go on and on and on. Just all the uh, easy stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, yeah. And we know we really appreciated um, your session at the Fly Convention or Free Lutheran Youth Convention 2019. You had an excellent uh, session on especially gender or gender identity. Um, how does that, uh, the building on what you've been talking about, how is that, how, how do you flesh that out um, in the midst of, for your students and, and thinking for uh, those that are um, coming out of FLBC and, and uh, the schools there? It's tough. It's a it's a tough one. Not because the issue itself is uh, complex. Uh, there's a lot of things in life that are uh, really simple until you decide that they're not. <laughs> and then they, okay, so, so if I uh, if I'm missing my right sock, and you, we all we all have right and left socks, and you just don't know it. Uh, the socks know it, but so what, they're uh, white socks. Yeah. So, oh wow! Uh, yes. Look at that. That's the wrong socks. But, uh, edit, edit it out, Brian. Edit yeah, that right. comment yeah. out. Too. Yeah. So, um, if, if I'm looking for my left sock, and M- Michelle's helping me because you know men are incapable of finding their own socks, and she says, "Well, it's right here," and I look at it, ah, oh, that can't be it. Okay, now, if that's it, I've got my sock. It's easy, simple, mm-hmm. right? But if I decide. <laughs> That ain't my left sock. All of a sudden, things get really, really complex. Mm-hmm. 
and that's where we are right now. If um, this is totally going to get you guys in trouble on whatever podcast forum you have, um, if the question "Teacher, what bathroom should I use?" is an essay, it never ends well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we are in our society. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, but what about intersex individuals? Okay. <laughs> Introduce me to your intersex friend and we'll talk. If you talk about abstractions, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, yeah. So you, you've never met this. You Googled it once. You didn't know what it was. It's, uh, it's like, you know, it's like vestments for a free Lutheran pastor. We have to Google it to remember what they are. <laughs> uh, but it, it's not, it, it becomes this contrivance where, but what about this? Sure. And, and there are things that we should that you could talk about, but I don't think the real issue is the the fact that there are individuals, human beings, who are born mm-hmm. with intersex characteristics, who are either genetically uh, it, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a deformation, <laughs> and the way they used to take care of that was snip snip. Mm-hmm. Okay. But now, that's considered to be abuse by the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm-hmm. So you have to let the child grow up and decide. And then, but then we can snip all we want. It's up to you. It just makes no sense. But if you look at, if you take the simple truth that God created man in his own image, male and female, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty straightforward. But if you take God out of the equation on human sexuality, stuff gets really, really weird. And, and, and now we're not even talking, you know, back in the good old days, like 2016, we talked about homosexuality. And, and uh, you know, are they born that way? That was always a thing, right? Born, and it was never about born that way. Mm-hmm. And I think, we, I think mm-hmm. we knew that deep down inside, but the pundits would all talk about born that way, born that way, born that way. No, not born that way. But, um, but now we've got, now, now the whole argument mm-hmm. of, LGBTQIA plus is no, it's not that you're born that way. <laughs> you know, it's that you get to decide. You have agency in this. Uh, and so it doesn't make sense. It was never designed to make sense. The whole goal mm-hmm. of it was to shake the foundation off of God created man in his own image, male and female. He created them. Mm-hmm. Where we err on this topic is we make it primarily a societal exercise because I don't want my children to grow up in a society where we got to talk about this stuff. Yeah. That's, that's where we err. We need to proclaim the truth of God's word. And if the culture uh, opposes it, they oppose it. If they go with it, they go with it. Our goal is not transformation of the culture. That's where we were. Hmm. That's where we were. So if you look at another issue, abortion became thinkable while it was illegal. Mm-hmm. And for about, what, 25 years, we spent all of our energy trying to make abortion illegal again. Mm -hmm. Well, it it was illegal. And look where we are today. Mm -hmm. And and where the abortion issue has shifted to a large extent, I I don't think it's ever going to be where I would want it to be, Mm -hmm. but it's shifted to a large extent. Abortion is becoming unthinkable again because, not because it is illegal, Mm -hmm. but because we answered the question, the only question that really mattered is, what is being aborted? This is a precious eternal human soul. And we do the same thing uh, with with gender issues. And and this is, people are going to disagree on this stuff, I understand, because they've got constant bombarding Mm -hmm. of false information. And if you say it long enough and loud enough, it becomes true. Uh, And it's not. But I don't think it's loving to tell a young man 
that yes, indeed, he is actually a young woman because he feels that way. I don't think that's loving. I don't think that's compassionate Mm -hmm. to participate in the lie of another, the deception of another. It may be clinically necessary in some place to try to help this person. Uh, But this is not reality. This is their uh, impulses are reality. Mm -hmm. Their temptations, we would, we would craft, we would say they were temptations that that falsehood, that's a reality, but that's not, it's it's resolved by the truth. And the truth is not that I guess you're a girl after all, that's not really the truth at all. So if we can somehow reflect the, the truth of a situation, and obviously this is a lot easier if nobody is sinning, if nobody's fallen, if nobody's hurting, but that's not the world that we live in. So how do you bring the gospel to, to, uh, to, to those people? I, I, think, I think that's a fair question. Yeah. It's always tricky to talk about these truths because in what you said, justification and denial has replaced truth, speaking the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And to somehow speak the truth in love and ascribe uh, dignity and meaning to every life, the way, especially the ones that disagree with you, is always the trick. You know, because sometimes we want to be right more than we want to walk in speaking that truth and we, love. We've all done mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's, it's hard and it's not easy. And I think that there's so many things to think about. But um, uh, this is just really where the grace of Christ just needs to permeate everything that we do and everything that we talk about. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also, invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Please join us next time as we continue our discussion with Dr. Wade Mobley. God bless you and have a great week.